Um, I think I'll start off uh, the message about the passage of the Apostle Paul talking about there are many parts to the body, right? There are many parts to the body. The eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you, etc., right? <laughs> so I dove for a couple balls yesterday. I played a little pickleball yesterday. Now my back hurts. <laughs> I have to remind myself, stop doing karate rolls when you're playing pickleball. They're two different sports. <laughs> so just like parts of the body, all the parts of the body are needed and they're different. And so we have to understand, uh, appreciate diversity in the body, differences in the body. One is not more than important than the other. Or you may do your spiritual gifts and feel, well, mine's not as sexy as some other gifts. Mine's not as popular, maybe, or as charismatic. They're all charismatic, okay? They're all needed to have a healthy body. As I am physically telling you, all the parts of the body are needed. <laughs> It's hard for, I, I had a hard time putting on my socks today. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I need one of those OT devices. <laughs> a sock aid. <clears throat> if any of you had a total hip replacement, you know what I'm talking about. All parts of the body are needed. So we're talking about spiritual gifts. And don't be ignorant about these things, the Apostle says. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are God-given endowed, uniquely given to you. And sometimes it's not what you accomplished in life. You may be thinking, well, in my lifetime, uh, maybe I was a stay-at-home mom. I didn't really accomplish anything. I don't have any gifts. That's not true. God gave each of us unique gifts to contribute to the body. And uh, the Apostle said, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. These are different than the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, right? We talked about <clears throat> what book are the list of the fruit of the Spirit? Book of Galatians 5.22. Can you recite the gifts of the Holy Spirit? You need to be able to memorize the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right? Let's do that together. This is the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are characteristics that we need to all develop. They are universal and they're not optional. <laughs> the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let's recite them together. They are love and joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And if you were smart like Catherine, you would pull it up on your iPhone and recite along with us. <laughs> Let's do it again. They are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is something we need to be praying about checking ourselves in uh, times of reaction, right? 
When we want to react, we need to pause and give room for the Holy Spirit. Now, I may... Anybody want to come up here and so I could check your reflexes? Right? You sit at the doctor and they go, doink. Right? Doink. You know how reflexes work, don't you? Right? There's a nerve. There's an afferent nerve that comes from my patellar tendon. It goes to my spinal cord. And then there's a little loop that becomes an efferent nerve to the muscle. Right here, right here. It does not go to the brain. That's how reflexes work. Okay? When we reflexively want to react to a situation, we need to what? Pause. Halt. Give room for the Holy Spirit to work in this big brain of ours, okay? To not just react to a situation, but to let God come use our mind, what we know is right, what we know is our strengths and our weaknesses, right? And to allow our heart to come in so we could respond in the proper way where we could respond in the fruit of the Spirit. So the criterion, the prerequisites to exercising your gifts, which are uniquely given, is to be continually filled, continual repentance, turning to God's way versus our way. Otherwise, these gifts will lay dormant, they will be squashed, they will be... I want to use that word... Quelch. Is that a word? Quelch? Quelch. What a weird word. <laughs> Don't quench. Quench. That's a Gatorade word, isn't it? <laughs> quench your thirst. Don't quench, squash the Holy Spirit. And so Ephesians 5 is the reference there. And so I have... Uh, giving you some words of ways to prepare our hearts to use our gifts. We need to have a repentant heart, a continually repentant heart, being open to baptism, the baptizing power of the Holy Spirit, which is a continual thing, not a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Continue dying, like as tie-dying, allowing God's Spirit to... Uh, change every part of ourselves to be permeating and overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. So now some practical things. I want you to work on your shape profile, okay? Your shape profile. Last week we passed out <clears throat> spiritual gift surveys that you could do online uh, in written form or online through lifeway.com if you don't want to waste paper. So do your spiritual gifts survey. So at the uh, big church that I worked at 20 years ago, it's, hard, it's probably over 20 years ago. It's hard. Wow, that's a big number. <laughs> it's a big number. I, I, I need people to play pickleball with me to tell me to act my age. <laughs> it's hard to believe that... Um, that's the good thing about pickleball. You, you look at people and you can tell that they're seniors <laughs> playing. 
the way they walk around the uh, court. It's an interesting sport. There's young people and old people playing the sport. But uh, um, looking at our shape profile, I want you to... Uh, oh, at the other church, we used to do uh, discipleship classes. 101, 201, 301, 401, 501. Kind of modeled after Saddleback's purpose-driven church kind of model. And they recommended these uh, 101, 501 classes. 101 was basic faith and the basic tenets of faith and baptism and things like that. 201 was maturity. <clears throat> And it went over, you know, different ways you can be discipled and, and continue your journey getting into the word, etc. Um, but 301 was service. Um, if you've read the Purpose Driven Church, there's a, um, coming to faith and fellowship, there's maturity, and their service is a base on their baseball diamond type model. And part of the um, 301 class was getting people to serve in the church. And they kind of came up with this shape profile. I've seen it, it, it may or may not be unique to Saddleback or other people have maybe compiled it. But S, shape stands for your spiritual gifts, H is your heart, A is your abilities, P is your personality, and E is your experience. Okay, so um, this is what I want you to work on, all right? And in coming weeks, I would really like some of you, all of you, uh, to share your shape profile, kind of your mini testimony with each other, okay? I'm going to be sharing mine today, but this is not a spectator sport, so you just don't get to hire me to vicariously hear what I've done. This is how we share with each other, all right? And I kind of expanded a little bit, calling it your Jade uh, experience, your Jade resume, which stands for your journey, your spiritual journey. You should be able to share your <clears throat> conversion testimony in three minutes or less. Okay, it's not your life story that we're asking for. It may include some of the things in your life story, but your life before Christ, when you came to faith, and how it's changed you afterwards. Three minutes or less is uh, you should be able to share your spiritual conversion. A stands for altars, the altars in your life. You read in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, when God did a significant work, when God answered prayers, when God brought uh, characters through trials and there was a light at the end of the tunnel, people built altars. Abraham built altars to God where God was faithful, marking the times that God was faithful. So you can, you can document your altars in your life where God was faithful in your life. D stands for discipleship. There you go. That's kind of that maturity base of looking back. What intentional things have you done that has helped your discipleship? What formal things? What informal things? Through churches, through other means, have you done? 
E stands for experience, and that is uh, driving the car, uh, uh, trying on different hats, and being used by God. How has God used your spiritual gifts inside and outside the church? Sometimes good experiences, sometimes bad experiences, okay? Uh, sometimes you discovered what are not your spiritual gifts by trying different things, and things kind of blow up, <laughs> All right? Uh, those are valid, learning, teachable experiences as well. Yeah, I'll share my experiences, both good and bad. But it is not just, like I said, a spectator sport. This is, I just wrote down some things as I thought through the sh my shape profile. And uh, speaking about this jade profile as well. Um, it's just an example of, of some, some things you can write down on yourself, okay? So, you know, don't write down all my stuff. They're just examples, just examples of how, how to maybe respond to your own, okay? So spiritual gift surveys, I've done several of these. My top ones are pastor shepherding, administration, and evangelism. Um, kind of surprisingly, I don't, you know, we have, we, only, we have our prejudices of these words, right? Uh, they, they, they have come, kind of some, they're packed with emotions, you know. I, I think of evangelism, and I'm thinking televangelist, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, Billy Graham, I'm thinking, you know, street evangelism. It's like, evangelism was high of mine? Surprising. So, um, so those are my top ones. Lower on the scale, whereas, uh, mercy <laughs> is pretty low. So I shared in small group. Having a low mercy function is kind of a hard thing to reconcile as a minister when I'm in an official role as a minister, right? When I'm just a physical therapist, when I'm a non-minister, when I'm away from ministry, you know, I could, <laughs> I can embrace that I have a low mercy function, <laughs> right? Uh, but I'm winning the when I'm in that role, it's like, okay, I got to work a little work, work a little harder <laughs> at this uh, mercy function. So, <clears throat> H, um, H, my heart. What is, what is your heart? These are not necessarily spiritual gifts. These are just, uh, uh, for instance, the classic thing. Um, sometimes they have a little survey of these things at particular churches. Um, do you have a heart for what age group? You know, a particular ethnic group. Do you have a heart for um, seniors? Do you have a heart for women? Do you have a heart for men's ministry? Do you have a heart for youth? Or is it kids' ministry? Do you just have a heart? You know, that's not a spiritual gift, right? I have a spiritual gift for children. No, that's, you have a heart for children. You have, come, I don't know, a motivation for children. That's your heart. So what do I have a heart for? Um, let's see. I kind of have a heart to be a coach is all the roles that I've uh, uh, been involved with. I found out that 
as a physical therapist, when I went from physical therapy to full-time ministry 20 years ago, uh, people would say, wow, that's quite a change. You know, you're a medical field and you want to be a pastor? That's interesting. It's so different. And I used to say, well, as a physical therapist, I was involved with physical rehabilitation, right? Physical problems, we just take steps to get better, set goals, physical rehabilitation. As a minister, now I'm involved with relational rehabilitation. (laughs) All right? It's kind of the same thing, right? Taking where a person is at, people are estranged from God, bringing them to in a, a right relationship with God and growing in that relationship and obviously with each other. That's kind of how I saw it. Um, I taught, I had a heart for self-defense classes like Gary, physical fitness, self-defense. Uh, I just had a heart for that. Abilities, same thing. Um, involved with some physical things, volleyball, etc. And so guess what? This church <clears throat> produced, through the help of different people, the NorCal Asian Church Volleyball Tournament. We produced that. You produced that for 15 years or more at UC Davis. It grew from, uh, I don't know, six teams to 30 teams. To, I don't know, 45 teams out over a weekend, right, at UC Davis. <clears throat> I had an ability for that. I had a heart for that. And so, my gift of administration. Paula called me out. Ah, I think you have the gift of administration. I somehow gravitated toward managing, liked managing that ministry. So I did that. Joanna and I did that for 10 years. 10 years we did that. You know, if it was going well, we just kind of tweaked it around the edges type of thing. But the majority of it, we kind of kept the same. (laughs) You know, different people would come up with, you know, radical (laughs) ideas or whatnot to do different things each each year. And uh, I had a kind of aptitude of, well, let's keep the core thing going, you know, and tweak things around the edges. And we did that for 10 years. Personality-wise, God can use your personality, which is different than spiritual gifts, but very similar in a way, because they say with personality, if you've done any study on personalities, is it doesn't really change over time, and you are kind of bent. I don't know why they say bent. I don't really like that way to describe your personality. Bent sounds like defective, (laughs) you know? But if you have a tendency toward being an extrovert or an introvert, which is different than shy. Extroversion means you get your energy from being around people, all right? Introversion means you get your energy from being away from people, okay? So um, if you do your Myers-Briggs type indicator, that's an MBTI, um, there's a wonderful book. It's called The Cursey Temperament Sorter or something like that, if you look up that online. Cursey, uh, I'll figure out the spelling for, for you. Um, it's, <clears throat> Myers-Briggs isn't the originators of Myers-Briggs. 
we think of that, it that way. We think of uh, you know tissue like Kleenex, like Kleenex is the originator of facial tissue. Um, Myers-Briggs, these personality indicators is based on the writings of Carl Jung, all right, a psychologist. And Kersey is another, uh, you know, researcher, author, psychologist who also researched these things. But he, he wrote a, a wonderful book that I love that is great to give to your adolescent, I don't know, nieces and nephews and maybe to understand yourself as well. Um, it's called The... It's called Please Understand Me. There's two versions, uh, uh, ver uh, version one and version two, or whatever it's called. Is that what it's called, version? Please understand me. And it goes over all the personalities, your personality in work, your personality in relationship, your personality in, in parenting, um, uh, it, it applies it to kind of the major things in life, uh, not just the generic personalities, but it's a wonderful application to life situations. So that's the P in uh, your shape profile. And then finally, your experience. Finally, your experience. Oh, what am I? <clears throat> I am an ENFP. E is, I'm more on the extroverted side. Uh, the N stands for intuition, which rather than facts and details around me, I kind of read between the lines. So when I do Bible study, I see the facts. You know, how do you do Bible study? What does it say? What does it mean? And what does it mean to me, right? What does it say kind of bores me, you know? What does it mean? Ooh, I get into that, you know? <laughs> what, is, what is that meaning? You know, I get, I get turned on by that. So reading between the lines, and F is I tend to uh, see feelings rather than thoughts, so I go off feelings rather than thinking and facts, facts versus feelings. So, you know, there could be pluses and minuses to that, right? Sometimes things need to be more factual-based uh, than others, uh, rather than feelings. Sometimes feelings are more important than just the facts. The P is more perception versus, they call it a J, the other opposite. J is more practical, concrete things versus uh, more open-ended, big picture things versus details. That's how I tend to work. So like at home, I will often have many projects open, <laughs> open-ended. So like uh, Donovan may be more of a J, completing something and then moving on to a next project. I tend to spin a plate here, spin a plate here, and spin a plate here, and then, uh-oh, this one's falling down. <laughs> I gotta spin that one. I'll have open-ended projects, because uh, based on how I feel <laughs> or whatever is pressing at the time, I'll gravitate toward that. Okay, experience. So um, I remember having experiencing, oh, let me back up a little bit. Our spiritual gifts and abilities, uh, sometimes they're evident when we're younger 
and sometimes uh, it's evident when we do a good job, we get good feedback, and sometimes they're evident when we exercise them in the inappropriate situation, and it's annoying, <laughs> okay? I remember in special camp, do you guys remember uh, the GEMS uh, Mount Hermon uh, camps um, we used to go to? They have continued to have special camp for, uh, it's probably the largest West Coast um, people with disabilities conference camp for uh, Asian Americans, um, Asian people. Uh, GEMS has that special camp and I couldn't just go with the flow, uh, <laughs> you know, type of thing of just waking up, this is what we do. You know, I had, I had to know what the schedule was. Okay, oh yeah, Monday, we do this, we do this, and then we do that, and then we do that. Uh, I had to be scheduled. The, the unscheduledness of it kind of threw me off. And um, that was uh, an early indication that... Um, I, I needed some structure. I needed to see the big picture <laughs> type of thing. So uh, I remember that distinctly. Um, I remember growing up in this church, I had an affinity for being in youth group and wanting to organize things. Then I became one of their leaders. Then I became the youth director for a year and a half or two years or so. I mentioned managing the volleyball tournament for... for uh, 10 years we did that. I tried on the hat of worship leader, what Gary and Kathy were doing, and I found that I wasn't very good at it. Definitely so. Um, I enjoyed being on the church board. <laughs> you know, I enjoyed doing this, all right? Month to month, week to week, planning for ministry. I enjoyed doing that. And you think that's where the gift of administration kind of started coming out. Um, when I got my dream job from, you know, as a physical therapist, we do the same thing. We make short-term goals and long-term goals. People get depressed and emotional and you go, don't, you know, you're thinking about, you know, the big picture, you know, that you're thinking about a year later. You got to think about a month. Focus on this month. These are the goals. And so when I got that dream job at First Baptist Church of Elk Grove, guess what my job was? It was managing ministries. <laughs> managing ministries. Fall and spring, we would produce classes and support groups. Um, during all your... All year long, we would have uh, uh, support groups, etc. But b besides producing those things, teaching those things, if I taught the class, I would be pastor shepherding people for those 12 weeks. If it wasn't my class, I would be pastor shepherding the, pe the teachers who were supporting the people who were doing those things. And my job, I got paid as a minister to administrate ministry. So for me, that was an exciting thing to do for those six uh, some odd years that I was at that church. Um, I inherited uh, seven miscellaneous support groups, and in my tenure there, um, it grew to over 20 
groups that I was able to oversee. So the ministry grew. I saw things. We planned for needs. There was a need. We got people, and we trained leaders to provide those needs. It was an exciting time um, to exercise those gifts. Moving on to this other area of uh, looking at your testimony and exercising your gifts is you could look at your journey, your altars, uh, your discipleship path and experience as well. So it's just another, another way of looking at it. <clears throat> um, something that I came up with last week. <laughs> looking at your Jade profile, your journey with Christ, uh, being able to share your, t- you should be able to, Share your uh, conversion testimony in three minutes or less. Okay? Three minutes or less. Life BC, life before Christ. Your conversion and then your life after Christ. Um, Like I've shared with you before, I have felt God's Holy Spirit presence when I was about eight years old. Um, when my grandmother passed away, God's truth came to my consciousness about life and death and hope in that in an afterlife that this existence wasn't all there was. Uh, and then as I grew up in the church and learned different things from preaching ministries, etc., uh, I came to cognitive faith and knowledge of God's love and plan of salvation. And then at the age of junior high school, you know, there was an invitation to accept Christ's love, forgiveness, salvation, and I accepted that. And in this church, the formality was to walk the aisle after you did that at the end of service. And then after that, you uh, publicly, you know, by doing that, you publicly profess your faith, like it says to do in the Bible. And in this church, the next step would, you'd have to go through baptism class or membership class. So before getting baptized, you'd have to uh, 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 go through some counseling of what that all meant um, and, and to know that your decision was genuine and then to become baptized. Um, And then ever since, it's really a a process of wanting to please and follow God uh, with one's life, with my life. Um, I had a real crisis in wanting to follow God. Uh, When I became college age, I thought I wanted to go to become a a minister. But I would toss asleep, toss, and, toss at night, and I couldn't sleep, wanting to become a minister, knowing that I wanted to become a minister, that God was calling to be a minister, but I wasn't ready to be a minister in my mind. So I had a lot of consternation of, you know, asking God's will in my life, counseling with the pastors, talking with other people, and uh, many months and many years of trying to figure out what to do. And uh, I decided to finally become a physical therapist first, and if God still called me into the ministry, I would not let that get in the way. And that's what I ended up doing. 
Um, oddly enough, um, I had a passion to become a counselor or a minister or a physical therapist. I couldn't make up my mind. And it's not just making up your mind. You have to like choose, right? And commit <laughs> and prepare with college and, and all that. And uh, uh, I remember at one point, I got into all three programs at the same time. <laughs> I got into a counseling program. I got into a seminary counseling program. I got into physical therapy school all in the same year. <laughs> and uh, uh, oddly enough, humorously enough, Throughout my, now that I'm 60, looking back on those, how old were we in college? 20? 20? 20 years old? 22? <clears throat> in that history, God's, in God's sovereignty, God allowed me to do all three. <laughs> Not just one. Here I put all that pressure on myself to choose to do one or the other. Through experiences in the church and outside the church, God allowed me to do all three. To be a therapist for a period of time. In a church, I was able to be a pastoral counselor. And it blew me away. At First Baptist of Elk Grove, I was, you know, I wanted to become a Christian counselor. But as a pastor, I was able to supervise a counseling program even though I wasn't a counselor. <laughs> I was a pastor, but I was able to supervise a Christian counseling program. So that was an awesome time. I was able to wear both hats and do all that. So oddly enough, God allowed me to do all three in my professional life and ministry life as well. So God has been able to, I don't know, weave and work all these different shape and personality and things like that for me to have a satisfying um, Christian, uh, work life and Christian life. Um, discipleship. Formal ways to, just like your profession, you know, to hone your skill at what you do. Uh, Stephen Covey calls it sharpen the saw. Sharpen the saw. Don't just keep working harder, but get smarter at what you're doing. As Christians, we can undergo discipleship. We could read our Bible. <laughs> Simply that, you know, how many of us have, oh yeah, when's the last time we read the Old Testament? You know, never, hardly ever, you know? Um, or even the study that we're going on is the works of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, we talk about the birth, life, and death of Jesus and his resurrection, and then we just stop. <laughs> we kind of forget about the book of Acts. And so we've been kind of slowly going through the book of Acts and the workings of the Holy Spirit because that's what we experience now today is living in the Spirit, living in the power of the Holy Spirit. So discipleship, uh, things that I have done, like I said, you could take your Myers-Briggs indicator, your cursy temperament sorter, I think that's what it's called, and then your spiritual gift survey, 
Um, personally, I needed the discipline of a formal class. You know, I was just, I never considered myself a really good student, but apparently I needed that discipline of a class, you know? Otherwise, I wouldn't do it on my own. So I enrolled in seminary uh, because they taught locally here, and there was just no excuse not to go. <laughs> so I learned a survey of the Old Testament, surveys of the New Testament, of the prophets. I learned systematic theology. Um, not only that, but family counseling systems, leadership and character development. They also did the Myers-Briggs type indicator stuff of trying to figure out who you were as a person. So, uh, you know, formal education classes, you could audit classes. Um, I know I don't have, I, I don't know if it's a spiritual gift or personality. I do not have the gift for languages. <laughs> I, took, I took Chinese, Cantonese at City College to get in touch with my heritage. Started with an A as the semester was, went on. I went to a B. The semester went on. I went to a C. <laughs> By the end of the semester, I was hoping to pass the class. <laughs> right? Because with languages, right? It, uh, it builds on each other. Just like math. Same thing. I wasn't very good at math because it builds on each other, just like language. Our Bible was, is written in Hebrew and Greek, right? So I took, I got through Greek, and the same thing happened. <laughs> I started with a certain grade, and then as it progressively went on, I was just hoping and praying that I would pass. Uh, I, did, I, I don't have the aptitude for that. I don't have the aptitude that, for that. So for those that can rightly divide the word like that, as you look through commentaries and things like that, um, I praise God that all that is available now at my fingertips on the internet and through uh, Bible study programs. But different uh, discipleship um, programs um, one of the best trainings I've been through, I don't know if the best, but it was an interesting training program. I volunteered to be a Billy Graham Christian worker counselor. Even, even now, I kind of shy away from evangelistic, uh, I don't know, opportunities. You know, cause causes me anxiety. But for some reason, I signed up for it, and they trained me how to be a uh, Billy Graham counselor when he came through with his crusade. And they taught you how to lead someone through the four spiritual laws. And by the way, they gave one of the best resources that I still use today. It's called the Billy Graham's Christian Workers Handbook. And I highly recommend everyone get it. Billy Graham's Christian Workers Handbook. It's very topical. Um, did we use it in the training? I think we did. So when someone comes forward at a Billy Graham crusade, they come forward for many different reasons. And as a counselor, you simply ask them, why are you coming forward? 
and they say why they're coming forward. And it gives kind of like a, like a phone tree path. If they come, if they're not sure about their faith, you take them to the assurance of faith page and you bring them through it. If you come, if they're come to, if they're coming to rededicate their life to God, you might bring them to that page. If they've never made a decision for God, you bring them through that page. It's an excellent, excellent resource. Like I said, uh, my first ministry experience when I was uh, the interim pastor for Mayhew Baptist Church was when I had to do a visitation and someone in the ICU. And remember I said I was called to give the last rites, so to speak, for the neighboring uh, ICU bed. And what did I rely on? <laughs> I, I looked through my Billy Graham Christian Workers Handbook of you know, death and dying. And it gave me applicable, applicable verses that I could share with the family at that time, and that's exactly what I did. So if you ever go on a counseling call, if you ever go to a bereavement call or whatnot, simply bring that with you. And uh, you could decrease the anxiety of, oh, what am I going to say, right? Or what, what biblical verse am I going to share with them? You don't, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't want that anxiety of, oh, I know somewhere in the Bible it says, uh, <laughs> right? So you could have that at your fingertips. And now, you know, with our, with our phones and Google, you have your Google Bible with you. Um, it's it's a whole lot easier, right? When you think of a verse, I mean, I do that preparing for messages now. Um, even in my Bible program, I don't, I didn't type it just right. If you don't have the word just right, it's not going to search it. That's how concordances work. We used to have our Bible and a big thick concordance, which is every word in the Bible in that version. Like I would have an NIV Bible, NIV concordance, and it would have every word alphabetically, possibly, that's in that NAV Bible. So I'm thinking, if I'm thinking of a word, and you look it up, that word, and it gives you every instance in the Bible that it was used, New Testament and Old Testament. And if you have the wrong verb, if you have the wrong version of the word, it doesn't work. Because <laughs> if you're thinking of King James in your head, and you're thinking of these and thous, <laughs> it's, it's not in there. So that's a wonderful thing, thing about Google is you could put in part of the word reference and you know, it searches the whole thing, uh, every version of it, which is pretty cool. All right. Okay, wrapping up. So that's me. That's some of my uh, shape. Those are some of my spiritual gifts, my heart, my abilities, my personality, some of my experience, my journey coming to Christ. I did not have time to share about my altars. I did talk about some of my discipleship. And then again, my experience as well. Um, I hope that encourages you. I hope that gives you kind of a practical path that God needs all all our personalities, both different, all our spiritual gifts, all different, unique, to make the body work. 
One is not more important than the other. We all need to exercise them. Um, and that God, uh, uh, we can certainly squash, quelch. We could diminish the fruits and gifts of, our Holy, of the Holy Spirit in our lives through unrepentant sin, um, unrepentant heart. So the way to uh, fan that flame is to step one, have a repentant heart from self to praying through the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I think that's a good ritual to do, like when we have monthly communion, is we can prepare our hearts for our monthly communion, asking to have an inventory of our heart, become immersed in God's Holy Spirit um, by marking time in our progress, marking time. So building our altars, write your testimony, baptism, write your jade testimony, uh, be subject under a discipleship program, continue learning about your unique gifts, and practice and receive feedback from other people is kind of the, the way uh, we exercise our gifts. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for um, um, the Apostle Paul, our big brother, our, our, uh, the Paul in our lives, teaching us um, about how you uniquely, how your Holy Spirit works, and how you uniquely endow us with gifts. Each person, each uh, our us as humble vessels, God, we're honored and humbled that you choose to use us to, you don't give us a king, you don't give us a prophet, you don't give us a priest, God, to uh, uh, do the functions of your church here. God, it's not an organization, but you choose to do your will through humble, uh, humble just us, in humble in this church. Uh, and we thank you for that privilege. And it's a source of excitement and encouragement, God, how you can use us and how we could fan the flame that's within us. And as each one does its part, it builds up your body. So these things we ask and pray. And God's, all God's people said, amen.